Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to worship you. Thank you for the way that you are speaking to us right now. And we pray, God, as we open your word, would you send your Holy Spirit and teach us and change us from the inside out? We pray this in Jesus' name. Hey, everybody, it's so great to see you online today. Thanks for joining us. It's such a joy and an honor and a really a great privilege for me to be able to share with you one last time as one of your pastors here at New Life before my wife and my kiddos and I head off to Colorado. We're so excited that you've joined us today. Now, it's been quite a while since I've preached. In fact, the last time that I preached was March the 7th and 8th. The following week, everybody went on quarantine here in uh, Pennsylvania, and uh, let me tell you, when you preach a message and then nobody comes back for weeks, it's really a confidence booster. Well, I'm just so happy to be here to share with you one last time before my family and I go to Colorado to start a church, so thank you so much for being here. Last week, Pastor Barry introduced us to a brand new series called Pursuit. Now, the goal of this series is to learn how to experience God in daily acts of faith. And as many of you know, we've been in a year-long focus of experiencing God. And our goal for these last 11 months was to learn how to go deeper with God, how to experience Him more, and how to have that real relationship with Him. And it's been such a joy as we've journeyed together over the past year, learning how to experience Him. Now, the goal of this series is to teach us what it means to follow God daily in pursuit. But the challenge is, how do we do that? How do we pursue God? Because God designed us to pursue him and experience him fully engaged and joyful. But how do we do that? Well, we're hoping by the end of this series that you will understand and I will understand the next steps that we need to take in order to experience God fully and experience the joy that comes as we do that together. Last weekend, Pastor Barry shared a powerful quote, and I want to share it again with you because it really touched my heart. Here's what it said. The greater things of God are not for the casual observer. The greater things of God are not for the casual observer. This was a quote from the book Pursuit, upon which this series is loosely based, uh, by a guy named Dave Patterson. And I want to encourage you, pick that book up from Amazon or wherever you buy your books and and follow along with us as we go through that book together through this series. It's a very powerful book. The greater things of God are not for the casual observer. Now, it begs the question, and here it is, am I a casual observer of God or a passionate pursuer of God? Am I just a casual observer Or am I a passionate pursuer of God? And I would challenge us to consider that question seriously and answer it honestly. We're designed for more than simple observation. We're designed for participation. And we will never experience more of God if we don't engage him daily in acts of faith. In fact, Jesus put it this way. Here's what he said. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? As Pastor Barry did last week, I want to invite you into more. 
I want to invite you into deeper. I want to invite you into a daily passionate pursuit of God where you find purpose, joy, and fulfillment, which is the way God designed our relationship with him to be. Pursue God daily and find what you were created for. Will you join me on this journey? Let's dive in. Last week, Pastor Barry taught us this important biblical principle. Those who seek God with all of their heart will find him. Those who seek God with all of their heart will find him. And he shared a powerful, powerful story of a woman that he had the opportunity to share with who was so adamantly against Christianity that she didn't realize how close she was in pursuit of God. Now, if you missed that message, you need to go on our app, our New Life app right now, or to our website, newlifexn.org, and you need to watch that message. And you need to hear that story because at the end of that story, we found out that this woman came to faith in Jesus and to this day is following him passionately, fully committed. I loved that story. But here's the reality. When we pursue God genuinely, we will find him. When we pursue God fully, authentically, with our whole heart, we will find him. He promised as much in the scriptures. But what happens, though, when we're trying to pursue God and it seems like he's not responding? Well, the scriptures teach us to do this one thing. Wait in pursuit. We must wait in pursuit. And today, I want to talk to you about the power of waiting. The power of waiting. Many of you know the story of God calling me and my family to Colorado. What you may not know is it's been a long time coming. God began to stir my heart in 2017 and we began to pray and seek the Lord about what he would have us do next. And we determined that God was calling us to Colorado and in early 2019, last year, we felt that God confirmed that call. When I prayed, I sensed his leading and his guiding about what I should do next in terms of my ministry and the ministry of my family. And that's where God led us, to Colorado. And when I shared that with Pastor Chris, a strange caution came over me that I also needed to share with him. When I handed in my letter of resignation, it was actually a year ago this week that I handed that letter in, I shared with him this caution that came into my spirit through prayer. And the caution was, hand in your letter of resignation in August 15th of 2019, but ask Pastor Chris if you can stay through the end of May, because uh, what came into my spirit was this phrase, it won't be ready until May. It won't be ready until May. So when I handed my letter to Pastor Chris and I shared that with him, he graciously agreed And we went to the lead team who also graciously agreed, and we moved forward knowing that I was going to be wrapping up my time here at New Life at the end of May 2020. It was a normal normal experience for me um, from the time I handed in that resignation up until the very first week of March. March 2020 changed everything. Around the second week here in Western PA, we went into uh, a stay-at-home order. There were news reports of a virus that was spreading uh, rapidly all throughout the globe, and and a few cases had come here in the United States, and now we were going into this stay-at-home order to help prevent the spread 
any further. And in the blink of an eye, everything moved from in-person to digital or online. And people who had plans no longer had plans. It truly was an unprecedented time in our lives. Now, I couldn't have planned for a pandemic, but God knew it won't be ready until May. So here we are. It's now August 2020, and we're still in Pennsylvania. Someone came up to me last week, in fact, and they said, you're still here? Did you decide to stay? Well, the answer is no. We are following Jesus to Colorado, but we're taking a small detour. Detours happen in life. The interesting thing is, as we pursue God, what we often perceive as a detour is actually God's preparation for what's coming next. When we examine the scriptures, we see account after account of people who were pursuing God with everything that they had, but they had to wait for the fulfillment of the promise of God in their lives. In the Old Testament, which is the first half of the Bible, in the very first book of Genesis, we find an account of a man named Abraham. Abraham received a call from God, a promise from God, that a great nation would come through him. But Abraham was standing in in awe of God, in, in the presence that God was speaking to him, but also kind of questioning God because Abraham had no children. But God said that a child would be born to Abraham, and through that child, a great nation would come. And Abraham was like, okay, I'm going to step out. I'm going to believe God. But it was 25 years from the time that God made that promise to Abraham to the time that that promise was fulfilled. We fast forward a few years, and we get to a guy named King David. King David was anointed as king at a very young age, probably between the ages of 8 and 15. And when David was anointed as king, he was actually being anointed as the next king because there was already a king in Israel. His name was Saul, but God had chosen a different man, and that man was David. And so Samuel, a prophet, went and anointed David as a young boy, and David had to wait from the time he was a youth until he was 30 years old to receive the fulfillment of the promise of God in his life. 30 year, 15 years he had to wait. At least, he was 30 years old, so he had to wait at least 15 years for that fulfillment. Then we fast forward a few more years, we get into the New Testament in the scriptures, and we find the account of Jesus himself. Jesus, who was God in a bod. He waited until he was 30 years old to reveal himself and who he was on the earth. He waited 30 years to begin his ministry. Now, if I was Jesus, I think by the age of 13, I'd be healing people, I'd be walking on water, I'd probably be making things fly just because I think that's cool, right? I guess it's a good thing that I'm not Jesus. But here's the reality, the blessing in the daily pursuit of God, it's not the promise, it's the presence. The blessing in pursuing God is not the promise or the fulfillment of the promise. It's the presence. As we read last week, James, the brother of Jesus, said this, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Jesus was one time speaking to his disciples, and he was teaching them about the Holy Spirit. And he said this about the Holy Spirit, But you know him, for he lives with you. So Jesus was making a very important point. The Holy Spirit was with the disciples, 
But then Jesus says something different. He changes it up a little bit. Look what he says. He's with you and will be in you. He's with you now, but later he will be in you. What Jesus was saying is that after Jesus was crucified and after his resurrection, he sent the Holy Spirit who was no longer just with the people of God. He's now in the people of God. The Apostle Paul actually said that our bodies become temples of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is living in us. So we have the presence of God with us. So pursuing God means believing he is there to be pursued. The writer of Hebrews said this, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So as we pursue God, the blessing is his very presence in our lives when we come to him in faith. And here's the key. God's presence prepares us and empowers us for what God has for us. God's presence prepares us and empowers us for what God has for us. As Abraham and David waited for God, they were strengthened and encouraged by God's presence. As Jesus faithfully waited for the right time to reveal himself, he grew in wisdom and in stature and in the favor of the Lord. His father was with him. The blessing of pursuing God is the promise of his presence. The prophet Isaiah gives us an incredible insight as to what it means to receive the blessing of God's presence in our lives. Isaiah wrote to the nation of Israel just before they were to be captured by Assyria. So much of his writings are predictive of what's coming, the looming capture and and really destruction of Israel. They stopped pursuing him. So, So Isaiah was writing to them to encourage them, to exhort them to turn back to God, but they walked away from him. But Isaiah says, when we pursue God, something happens. When we wait for God, something happens. And I want you to see this in Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 28. Here's what it says. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. When we are in the detours of life, when it seems like we're waiting and waiting and waiting for God, God is at work. His presence is preparing and empowering us for what God has for us. And and, and here's what that means practically. I want to show you three things from that passage we just read and how that applies to our life. Number one, God is everlasting and he will never leave us. God is everlasting and he will never leave us. While we're waiting for God, he is with us. Look what Isaiah said. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He will never leave. He will never separate himself from us. Why? Because he is in and of himself everlasting. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. That means that God is all around us. 
He's everywhere. And he's with us in our waiting. I want to share with you from Hebrews chapter 13. The author of the Hebrews said this, For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? God will never leave us. God will never forsake us. He is always with us. The second thing we see from Isaiah chapter 40 is this, that God's power sustains us. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. God's power sustains us through every situation. Through every situation, God's power sustains us. Even when we don't understand, he does. As Isaiah said, his understanding is unsearchable. It's crucial we lean into God in times of waiting, in times of chaos, in times of misunderstanding. We need to lean into God who does fully know and fully understand. That's what it means to wait in pursuit. We pursue God and he sustains us. The third thing we learn is this. God renews us as we wait for him. Even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And we have to understand this is a unique experience that only God provides. As we wait for him, God renews and refreshes us to the point that we're able to accomplish more than we ever thought possible. God's presence prepares us and empowers us for what God has for us. He's working in the waiting. So, don't waste the waiting. Don't waste the waiting. The writer of Hebrews said, So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now, so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he promised. Wait in pursuit of God. Wait on purpose. We must lean into God in the detours of our lives because he may just be using that detour to prepare us for the greatest breakthrough we will ever experience in our lives. So as we wrap this time up, I want to encourage you with this one thing. I want you to walk away from this message with this one thing. We call it our take-home point, and here it is. The power of waiting. Okay, that's the title of the message. Here it is. The power of waiting is the presence of God. The power of waiting is the presence of God. Though a minuscule part my family and I play in the ultimate plan of God, God protected us from certain disaster had we moved to Colorado already. While we were starting, uh, while we're starting our church, I'm planning on working. It's called bivocational ministry. Now, I'm speculating here, but I'm guessing that if we had already moved to Colorado, I would have taken a job somewhere and I would have been the low guy on the totem pole. And guess who gets cut from a job when a global pandemic hits? Usually the new guy, right? 
So I probably would have been in Colorado with no job and no way to pay our brand new mortgage. I wouldn't have a way to provide for our family. Now, I know God is a provider. I know that God would take care of us, and I have no question about that. But in all reality, when we listen to God initially, I believe for me and for my family that God protected us. Because I I heard the phrase, it won't be ready until May, I waited. And when the pandemic hit in March, I didn't understand it. I still don't fully understand it. But now I know why God shared that in my spirit, to wait, because he was protecting us. Now, those are just two of the many negative things that would have happened, but I want to share with you a few of the positive things that have happened because we've been able to wait. The first thing is I've learned how to launch a church digitally. Since everyone's online now, church can start online and people will connect and receive Jesus in their lives. Now, I've had time to process with my wife, with Pastor Chris, with Pastor Barry, and with our incredible lead team through what will be known as the greatest challenge and the greatest opportunity in our ministry years. I've had this incredible time to just sit down and go, what do you think this means? What does this look like? How do we do this? How do we work through these things? I've had that time to process. I've had time to build into our worship teams and our our tech teams and and into the structure of our, our, our ministry online in ways that I never have before. In fact, When this whole uh, stay-at-home order thing began in March, I actually was a lot busier because we had to put more things online and get things taken care of. But one of the more incredible things is I've drawn closer to Jesus during this time. As the soon-to-be lead pastor of the Father's Heart Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado, I've learned to lean into Jesus more and to trust him for each next step as we move forward. Those are only a few of the many positive things that have come out of waiting. But most of all during this time, I've really enjoyed the sweet presence of my Heavenly Father. Yes, at first, COVID seemed like a detour, but God has used it to prepare and empower me and my family for what's coming next. He's doing the same thing for you. As we wait, God is getting you ready for what He has for you. The power of waiting is the presence of God because the presence of God assures us he will never leave us. He will sustain us and he will renew us. So here's my question today. Do you, watching online right now, want the greater things of God? Do you want the greater things of God? They're not for the casual observer. They are for the passionate pursuer who is fully satisfied, simply waiting in the presence of God. Will you passionately pursue God while you wait? If you will, then prepare to hold on tight because when God moves, he's unstoppable. So together, let's experience God in the daily act of faith of waiting. And we can do that by acting on today's next step, which is this. I will wait in pursuit of God this week. I will wait in pursuit of God this week. Now, waiting in pursuit of God implies action. Let me explain. Waiting, waiting in pursuit, it, it's, it's not standing around with no purpose. In fact, when I think of waiting, honestly, what I think of 
is like if you've ever been to Disney World or Disneyland, you know that when you go to a ride and it's something you really love and there's a really long line and you wait in that line, they call it a queue. When you're waiting in the queue, you're basically standing and waiting with no purpose in the waiting, right? You're just standing there. That's what I think of when I think about waiting. But that's not what, what waiting means as we're pursuing God. Waiting in pursuit means we actively pursue God while we wait for him to move, to speak, or to lead us. Waiting in pursuit means passionately pursuing God daily in prayer, in devotion. I mean, hence the word devotion, devotion. I love when people say, oh, my devotions just seem dry. Well, usually that's not God's fault. It's usually our devotion that is causing that issue. But, but when we are passionately pursuing God, we're pursuing him through those dry devotional times. We're going to be devoted fully to him. We, we get together, we read his Bible, we study his word so that we can know how to live. Or maybe we engage in worship or maybe we take times away where we're just silent and just in the presence of God. Now, this list is certainly not exhaustive, but these are a few things that we can do while we wait that will be active. They are leading us in pursuit of God. So as we pursue God and experience him daily, we're actually glorifying him, and we're ultimately fulfilling what God put us on the earth to do, to glorify him and enjoy him forever. So if you're watching today and you've never made a commitment to Jesus, that's where all of this begins. You can't experience the greater things of God unless you know God. So today, I want to encourage you, if you don't know God, you need to put your faith and your trust in Jesus so that you can know him and experience all that he has designed just for you. And it starts first by admitting. We need to admit that we need Jesus in our lives. Jesus came here to do what you and I can't do. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He met the standard of God, which was perfection. Jesus lived a life that you and I could not live. And then Jesus went to the cross, and on the cross he died, and he died there a painful, excruciating death that should have been me and you on that cross. He died there in our place for our sin. Jesus lived a perfect life, and then he died on the cross for me and you, and he was buried, and then three days after he was buried, he was raised back to life by the power of God. And in that moment, Jesus now did something that that only he could do, and that is that he offers us his life in exchange for ours. It's, it's unbelievable, but it's totally believable because he did it for us, because he loves us. Jesus offers us a brand new life in him when we put our faith in him, and that's what it means to believe. So we admit that we need him, then we believe. We believe that Jesus came here and did that for us, and we trust him. And then we receive from him this new life. And as we receive that new life, then we confess. We confess our sin to him, that we are sinners, that we, that we can't live the life that God's called us to live. And we confess that we need him. And we confess that Jesus is the Savior and the Lord of our lives. You see, because when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. So if you have never done that, I want to invite you today to consider 
trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior right now. After we sing this next song, I'm going to invite you to trust Jesus if you've never done it before. And if you do, I can guarantee you this, your life will never be the same and it will never be better because knowing God in and of itself is the best thing for us. Yes, your life, you know, I'm not promising it's gonna, it's gonna be all uh, roses. It's not. It's gonna be challenging, but you will have the presence of God while you're waiting. You will have the presence of God in the detours of life. You will have the presence of God who never leaves you, who sustains you, and who renews you. You will have the greater things of God as you trust him and put him first in your life in this moment. So let's sing together.